welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. At Evolution, we're committed to helping people and Nordic tech organizations to realize their potential. Our goal is to develop deep relationships with individuals. We build trust and make doing business easier. I'm Josh from Evolution Recruitment Solutions, and today I'm your host. Today I'm joined by Carl Johan of Klarna, Jasmine of Ericsson, and Rolaine, who is a very experienced BI manager, um, to discuss the future of analytics and BI. Before we delve deeper into today's topics, what I'd like to do is work our way around the room with some introductions. I'd like to know who you are and what your biggest passions are currently. Jasmine, would you please go first? Uh, thanks, Josh, and, and great to be here. And and so I, I head up uh, this unit called Ericsson Consumer Lab, which is the insight and foresight unit within Ericsson Research. And, and we have existed for the past 25 years uh, within the organization, uh, trying to be the voice of the consumers uh, into the organization, helping uh, Ericsson and its customers understand what are the latest trends that are manifesting in the space of uh, information, communication, and technology, and how to stay ahead of this tre trend. So we are consistently doing a lot of consumer research, market insights, business intelligence, and merging all this together in order to build uh, credible narratives that we can go out and, and publish. So every year, you know, Consumer Lab comes out with at least four or six reports on, on latest areas of, of research. Uh, I've been with Ericsson for, for almost a decade now, uh, for the past eight years uh, here in Stockholm. And I would say, uh, you know, my, my biggest passion is essentially, uh, you know, trying to get deeper into understanding consumer culture. And and that's what got me into this job of, of you know, insight and foresight uh, to start with, because this was an area that I really want to invest myself completely in. Awesome. Thank you very much. And it sounds like a fascinating day today. Willane, would you like to tell us about yourself? Yes. Hello, everyone. My name is Willing Silva. I'm originally from Brazil, Curitiba, and I live in Gothenburg in Sweden for around six years. So actually, I'm a business intelligence manager at Volvo Trucks um, and I'm responsible for to provide uh, solutions for the markets to grow in a more smart way and an efficient way. And then it's use a date as a, as a foundations to drive actions. So my big passion is also to discuss new technologies and artificial intelligence, how it's it's gonna be and how it's moving fast. Um, yeah, so this is my big passion. Awesome. Thank you very much. Last but not least, Carl Johan, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. I'm Kaliwan Gaveris, but people can tend to call me KJ. I'm an, I'm an analytics manager at Klarna. I've been here about three and a half years working with consumer incentives. Spent uh, most of my career working with different loyalty programs, whether that be in retail or airline or now in finance. And yeah, quick and short. Awesome. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. 
thank you so much for listening and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. And now that we've gotten to know everybody a little bit better um, and we've got a little bit of context behind each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus. The topic of focus today is the future of analytics and business intelligence. Now, each of you have your own question statement that we are going to discuss today as a team. So let's work our way around and we're going to start with Jasmine. Jasmine, you have brought a question to the group. Please tell us what is your question and please tell us where this question came from. Yes. So I, I think uh, this is something that that we've been grappling with as well within uh, Ericsson Consumer Lab is this, you know, uh, the, the state of affairs with uh, so much data uh, that is available to us. You know, every year we are going out and collecting massive amounts of data and, and you know, we have data available from different streams, whether that's passive data, active data, social data and, and so forth. And and often what we have seen is that while we have all this plethora of data, you know, it's been very difficult for organizations to really come out with, with actionable insights, use this data to really shape and influence the strategy, uh, you know, for your stakeholders. So I'm wondering, since Carl and, and Viren come from two different sectors uh, out here, I'm, I'm wondering if they can shed some light on what are some of the barriers that they have seen in in kind of utilizing this data to to reach uh, the end goal of actionable insights and how can organizations or if from their own experience how have they overcome some of those challenges yeah i think this is a um i think this is a great question uh, and one i've seen in every company i've been uh, been at struggling with in some form um the issue to me is that there's a disconnect between the stakeholders and the analyst because there's an information gap the stakeholders, they don't know what data we have and what insights can be delivered. And so they don't know what questions to ask. The um, the analysts, they don't know what the stakeholders, whether that be a product manager, marketing manager, or CXO, what they want. Um, and this is especially true if you have a centralized analytics support organization. So the best working solution that I've seen so far is to have a technical product product manager that understands analytics and to have one or more dedicated analysts sit directly under them in his or her team. The cross-functional team solution works really well, but um, obviously it's more costly uh, as the resources are not shared and can potentially introduce risk to the organization as the analysts become much more specialized in their roles. But this to me, I think is, um, is the best solution that I have seen to this problem. I can continue. So I think I have um, identified my experience like uh, three pillars that is great use per year, right? One is uh, data quality. I have seen many organizations that have a quality issue, as such as incomplete or inaccuracy data, which demand a high ability and force uh, effort to solve it. The other is like a lack of qualified personnel. Identify very good professional that is good in the data and analyzing connection pieces and build the cubes, uh, create a foundation. So they're extremely good on it. And the others that extremely good in the business oriented mindset. But I think we're facing like a lack of professional that have both competence. I think the 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 the, the challenge would be have to have. Uh, 
a professional with both competence, really good in data uh, connections and also business-oriented mindset. And the last but not least is the resistance of change. So uh, it's employee and management may resist adopting new things, new ideas about AI. They still resist it to prefer traditional methods. I think this could be another challenge also. Uh, in conclusion, to overcome this barrier, um, I think we need to have uh, data governance, implement a robust data uh, governance uh, in the organization, integrate solutions to invest more in technology to help break down these data silos and enable this data integration, and also skills development. They need to train more and hire people with this both competence. I think this is the big uh, contribution to remove the barriers. Yeah, I think uh, you know, great points that that Carl and and Rilin has have, have actually made, and I and I took up some of the things that that you guys have mentioned. You know, the the skills gap part I think is interesting, uh, and and also I think I see I see this as well in in a lot of organization is is this lack of data strategy, which is why are we collecting what we are collecting in the, in the first place? Because of course there is always this this race towards oh let's capture everything out there you know and and this will be useful at some given point of time in future and and that that's a big pitfall if if you're just collecting without a strategy on what are we really going to do with with that with this data and then of course i, I feel that when we are when we are building talent within business uh, intelligence and analytics function i think there is uh, you know of course this focus on tools and resources and and methodology is to ensure that everybody is at par with with the latest programming skills and and all the tools and resources i think there is there is a need for investing as i think we mentioned in in this business understanding you know so getting all professionals up to speed irrespective of whichever unit you come from whether it's bi analytics consumer insights and so forth to really understand the business because at the end of the day, these insights need to be not just numbers or statistics, uh, but rather implications uh, for the business. And and for an analyst to really carve out that narrative on uh, the business side of things, it's really important that he understands the big picture, not just not just the fact that he has run some great analysis and and the data looks good, but rather you know how is this data really going to impact our business in the long run? So I feel. Uh, the business understanding, the skills gap, of course, the lack of data strategy, and and then of course, uh, you know, uh, as as Brian also pointed out, this resistance to change. You know, we have always done this, and this works. Mentality might not actually work in the long run, and and this could be uh, again a, a pitfall uh, when you are actually shaping uh, the future of your business intelligence and and analytics function. So it needs to be driven top down. Is is what I sense. I'm hearing from all of you. Yeah, I completely agree. I also think there is a, um, I, I've seen this so many times, like, I also think there is a, um, a, a sort of, a, sometimes there's a really strong will to be data-driven, almost too strong. So people look at the data and they're like, what do our customers want? Why are they acting this way? Why aren't they responding to the features that we're implementing? And and you keep looking at the data, and you're you're, you're adding new events into um, the app or the product to try and gather more data to try and answer these questions. And 
I feel like sometimes it's just uh, why not just ask the consumer? Why not just do a survey and ask them what they want? Or, I mean, obviously that doesn't always work because sometimes the consumer don't know what they want, and sometimes the consumers the consumers always want more. So when it comes to loyalty programs, and, and so they will always say, "I want more." But um, yeah, I think that is sometimes lost. Like as an analyst, you want to be data driven. You want to work with data. Um, but I think the solution is sometimes simpler. You can just ask the the consumer, and they'll they'll happily tell you what they want. Yeah, I think I think you make a great point, Carl. You and 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 I think this is this is exactly what we're doing. You know, and and often you know we 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 meet stiff resistance as well at times. You know, for people who are probably fixated at just looking at as you mentioned just one stream of data and and driving decisions based on just one stream of data. I think it's it's about getting that complete 360-degree view. And of course, the consumer behavior and, and consumer usage, uh, of course, adds value, you know, in, in order to further validate uh, your your strategy or or your narrative in a way, which can be merged with some of the other things that, that you might be seeing. It could be market intelligence. It could be business intelligence. It could be your own CRM data, you know, different streams that are coming together to build this 360-degree view of of coming to uh, a bit of this conclusion so I, I completely agree with you out here is is about this uh, the fact that everybody believes in in data driven decision making but they often do not want to be invest in the time and energy on getting this 360 view and and it's always oh let's do this quick and dirty rather than let's try to be very rigorous in order to get the the utmost quality uh, out of, uh, you know, the analytics and the data that we have. Interesting. Uh, and and also I have other uh, reflections or thoughts about this. When you start to create a very good uh, data insight, when you start to generate idea, okay, now I, con I convert this complex data in a more in intuitive way to identify where should I go, where should I put my focus, where should I maximize the business. When you start to have more of these uh, streams, I think there are good a, high, a higher resistance for the top management team to looking for uh, ahead. They just very good in it's it's like a blame game. There's like a very good in explaining ah we are not good because of this, we're not good because of that, we're not performing because. But it's not a blame game. We just use the data to open mind for new insights, new business model. I think it's uh, we need to break this uh, resistance and the open mind for new things. Okay, guys, not looking in the mirror, looking forward. So this new possibility, I think we need to create more this uh, channel uh, with the stakeholders and our partner to improve this maturity level on the data driven. I agree. I think it's very, very difficult to ask relevant questions. I mean, you can only get as good answers from the data as you uh, can think of, of questions. And uh, I've seen so many times we've asked questions uh, and gotten answers, data-driven answers that said, yes, this will work, or yes, this will give you X amount of uh, percentage points uplift. Um, but then when we have tried completely different things, we've seen much, much more increase. So I, I think even though you can get the answers that you want, they might there might be better answers in there that you just, um, that aren't obvious. And it's, again, I think it's, even if you have a, an analyst that really knows the product and a product manager that really knows analytics still i think it's super difficult to ask like the perfect questions 
Cool. Well, that was a super interesting discussion. And yeah, I, from definitely from an outside perspective, I think that I know a lot of people in this space and a lot of people share um, similar challenges to, to yourselves. I think it was interesting, Carl, Carl, on what you said about the, if you ask the consumer, sometimes they'll have the answer, sometimes they won't. I think there's the famous Henry Ford quote of, if you ask the consumer what they want, then they'll ask you for a faster horse, not a car. Um, and that certainly seems relevant in this in this thing that you guys are discussing today. So that leads us nicely into our next question. So our next question is brought to us by Rolaine. Rolaine, would you please tell us what your question is? and how you reach that question. Yes, uh, my question is related to what skills and the knowledge are essential for professionals that look in the business intelligence analytical field in the future. Uh, I raise these questions because now, based on the AI start to turn fast, how it's going to be the new role in the future, based on that. Yeah, I can I can reflect a little bit on, on what skills and, and... <clears throat> this stems from from my experience, you know, hiring and and building this this organization ground up to to where it is right now today. I think what what I'm looking for, of course, in the field of analytics and and business intelligence is, of course, the foundational knowledge. You know, with with you being great at uh, understanding data and patterns, and you know, it's it's a plus if you are extremely proficient in some of the programming skills and even a bigger bonus if you're probably uh you know and and uh, somebody with some experience with with using ai tools whether that's even generative ai and so forth but one of the biggest skills that that i'm looking for is is storytelling and this is something that that you know we have now embedded as part of our recruitment structure itself is is that when, when we are recruiting as part of the interview process, we of course share a lot of our live data with with uh, the interviewees and, and we give them that data and we ask them to kind of, you know, work with that data and, and work on the analysis and come out with, with a presentation of what they really made out of that particular data. And what we're looking at is not necessarily your, your skills on programming, Python, R and so forth. What we're really focusing on is the art of storytelling, you know, which is how how are you able to structure the narrative and the data? Are you able to build attention? Are you able to kind of connect with us uh, at an emotional level to relay that sort of a story? And, and that is, is what I feel is one of the most important aspects that, that I think will be really important also in this age when we are getting an infusion of AI uh, and these tools are going to be available to us and, and you know they will be able to craft extremely good messages and and do great analysis and data but i think what what would clinch uh, the 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 final outcome is how are we able to take that and elevate it with a human connection and some sort of relatability uh, because as somebody as an analyst walking into a room full of c suite uh, you have the ability to adapt the narrative in real time, reading what's happening, what's the sentiment in the room. And that's not something AI can do. AI can only help you to get to that level of foundation to, to get you the analysis, maybe even help you with visualization. But then comes in your natural intuitive uh, spirit and the ability to read the room 
and and adapt your your storylines in real time and those are the skills that that you know we are looking for in individuals uh, who are joining the analytics function to in, in order to future proof ourselves because i think we will be able to upscale people with with ai and and all the tools that are coming in but the art of storytelling is is something that you develop over time you know sometimes you have a natural flair for it uh, and sometimes you just need to develop as you go into the business and you understand how the business flows and so forth to really use the data to eventually uh, you know craft those compelling stories completely agree but but why wouldn't the ai be able to do the storytelling as well i mean uh, jokes aside I, I, obviously i think that that's still a, a bit of time away but but um yeah, for me, I think I would say I would value the attitude the most. Like at Klarna, if you when you join Klarna, we we will ask, we will try and provide you with as many tools as possible so that we aren't like specific tool dependent. So we want to be able to accommodate as you know broadly as many analysts as possible. Um, and we don't want to sort of not hire people because we don't have the, their preferred tools. So when you join Clona, you will be able to choose if you want, you know, want to be Mac OS based, Windows based, Linux based, or if you want to work with R, Python, SQL, or, you know, we have many different BI dashboard tools. Um, but I agree. I, I think storytelling is a big part of it. Like everyone in any profession, I think, can use a little bit of salesmanship. Um, you can provide, you can do super great work, but you also need to be able to 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 sell it to a certain degree. Um, but like we touched upon previously, I I do also think that business understanding is very important. Um, not just looking at task at hand, but also looking broader, like how does it fit into the business and um, and where's the business going as a whole. Um, on top of that, I think you know. Keep an open mind. Don't feel locked to the tools that you learned at university or you know the ways of working that you had there or in previous workplaces. The AI thing is real and it, it will come. So you need to play around with that. You need to spend time with that, and you need to be open-minded to trying new AI tools, uh, whether that is ChatGPT or something different. Uh, I don't know. I mean, obviously, the, it will change a lot, probably, but. Yeah, that would be that would be my reflection. Yeah, I think I think Carl made some great points, and I like to pick, uh, you know, two points that that Carl made. You know, one I think you briefly touched upon this, uh, you know, the aspect of coming straight from the university, and and this is where I I I feel there is a big challenge in in our education system itself. Uh, because what you're taught in the academic institution is this academic rigor, and and often you you find that you know university students you know coming into the field of business analytics and and so forth tend to be lost, because what they're trying to do is is do things in an academically rigorous manner. You know, as as Carl mentioned, you know, being set in their thinking of. Uh, from their professor saying, oh, this is how it should have been done. You know, this is the right methodology in, in a way. Whereas what the business needs is, is that the business cannot run at the pace of research. You know, the research needs to run at the pace of business. 
And and that that's where I think smart thinking and, and smart analysis will come in, even if it's not academically rigorously done. You know, it, it is going to be about, as, as Carl mentioned, being open to the idea that I need to adapt to this new setting, to this new culture, uh, where I might have to, you know, go back and just unlearn a lot of things that I have learned in my academic sphere and grab and absorb how things are done in the organization in order to keep pace with this, uh, you know, with, with the analytics function and the demands that are being put on the analytics function. Because I do see this is this is one of the biggest struggles that that we face personally when picking up students from the university. The the curve, the learning curve is very steep. And and that's because the 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 set mindset about doing things in a very academically rigorous way and not budging, you know, and from from that sort of line of thinking is is I think we we need a little bit of more flexibility here from individuals who are who are thinking about making a career here in in business and analytics pair. Yeah, I think you have uh, spot on on these questions. And um, I based on the academic, I just reflect about this new generation. They are impatient to create solutions, right, in the short term. All these new students, when it came, we start to based on oh, sky is the limit. Let's do it something in the short term. And then forget the old schools that it's work a lot on basic facts. So there are reasons that we decide and create these solutions. I think the the key rules for these BI professions in the future is to work in a cross-functional ways based on the previous generations versus the new generation. Now I have more these fancy words about agile mindset, uh, springs, daily springs, all these things that is change a lot when we look in the, the, the historical, right? So how to work in harmony with the old school versus this new uh, generation. I think that's the challenge. Yeah, I think I think you're right. But I also think that, I mean, I, I love having a, a fresh set of eyes on the organization. I love when there's young, ambitious people coming in and challenging what we're doing and wanting to do it differently. Um, because it is, I think it also is easy in in older, bigger companies to kind of get stuck in in the set way, so to speak. Um, yeah, that was super interesting. And I have a further few follow up questions, actually, based on what you guys had been saying. So, firstly, let's come back to Jasmine's point about the most important thing moving forward in analytics is going to be the storyteller. So my follow-up question to that is, in a storyteller, what are the most important elements in a story for somebody to be able to be a good storyteller as an analyst? Yeah, I can I can go first here. And, and, and I think, you know, it's it's about, as I said, when, when we are evaluating somebody, uh, you know, we, we are, of course, looking at, do you have a potential to be a great storyteller because this as i said this is something that that we can invest time to to develop uh, and and also the stories need to be in the context of the business and i think carl you know kept on emphasizing about this aspect of business understanding and that's very important you know how are you able to narrate those stories in the context of the business and of course we can't expect that from freshers who are coming in to the organization, they still need time to absorb how the business runs, what are the important KPIs and so forth. So I think that's the training and upskilling that that we can kind of provide. But what I'm looking for is, is as I said, you know, how are you structuring your thoughts? How are you structuring 
the narrative. You know, you of course are given a piece of data, and and the data tells us something. If you come on to an interview and even tell me a lie while you are actually structuring the narrative, that's even fine with me because I I know that you just concorded that sort of aspect to create a story, right? And and that's that is what has happened. I think in in some of the interviews that that we have done, we we had an individual where. Uh, data was given to this individual, extremely bright, and and you know he looked up the data, and then he he said that okay, data is something here, but but the implications of this is X, Y, and Z, you know, and then he concocted a few things which were probably not in the data, and with of course a caveat, telling us towards the end that I just made it up for you guys to understand that I can look at the big picture, you know, there are pieces that are not there in this data today. But if you gave me those pieces of data, I would have made those inferences and those implications. And that is the quality that that you know we are looking for. Uh, you know, not not just that you're very rigorous with with the tools, the methodology, and you're a great programmer and you can run the most advanced structure equation models and predictive analysis and so forth. I think we will get that from from everybody who is in this particular field. But we are looking for that just a little bit extra uh, coming in from those individuals, apart from apart from all those skills that anyways are foundational skills in a way. Brilliant. I think this is a really good uh, explanation. And the one that I defend is that I deeply believe that the most critical skills that will have a significant impact in the ability to interpret the raw data and also convince the audience to show insights and uh, what they don't see. I think this is the, the key of the storytelling when we sit with the stakeholders and present, okay, guys, you push us to go for this direction, but look at that. This is the new ocean that we need to navigate. I think the top management ex uh, team expect to have more this uh, uh, professional with this ability to show what they don't see. I would actually be interested to hear um, what, what the purpose of the storyteller is i mean i agree to to a certain extent that you need to be a good storyteller but it seems when i hear both of you talking that it's like super important and so i just want to understand why that is so important because in my mind um either you have a stakeholder which is like a product manager or someone who who asks for the data and then you will provide the data and that person will then be the storyteller. So that doesn't really fall on the analysts. Um, the other scenario I can think of is you have a analyst that is creating a lot of data and is a good storyteller in order to, maybe I understood this, uh, maybe I didn't understand this correct, but to, to sort of pitch the, the CXOs on a, an idea or, or a path. Um, but if you have like a CXO who's super technical, then I think it should be enough to just have sort of basic storytelling and then also provide the raw data or the um, the methodology that you use to sort of arrive at that that conclusion. Yeah, I, I think it's it's more about uh, you know the fact that why do we need storytelling is more a function of uh, you know what is the role that your unit is is trying to accomplish in the organization, and it could very well be that the role that your organization is is serving today is to just democratize data, right? So, 
as as analytics analytics professional your core job is to just democratize it you know create dashboards so that kpis are visible and and these are visible to across the stakeholders and you can define patterns and so forth and then give the ability to as you say product managers you know and other internal stakeholders to craft their own stories you know when when they are interfacing their own higher management and so forth but in in our case very often you know we as researchers are required to essentially face customers uh, and in a way we are coming across as as also trying to hone the art of consultative advisory uh, sort of support and it's not just the analytics part that that you need to kind of be be very good at analyzing data patterns but also being able to communicate and convey in a very convincing fashion what you essentially see in in the data so i believe it's a little bit about the role that you are trying to play uh, in the organization and what type of stakeholders that you possibly have that you are interfacing whether you would want them to be the ones that to relay and craft their own stories or are you the one front facing uh, maybe the c suite most often that you need to come across as a extremely good communicator uh you know and and convincing enough that you can sell uh the your idea and back it up with with compelling insights and actionable insights All right i got it thank you for the clarification no i agree so prior to being at clona i was at, at a different swedish company that was a very traditional so to speak and and i i um I know exactly what you mean, like in, in some of these organizations, in order to be able to challenge the traditional way of we've, all, we've always done it this way, you need to be very persuasive and you need to have the backing of, of quality data. Um, I think in a, yeah, I think in my current organization, I've, I've been very fortunate to have stakeholders that are quite technical so and open-minded. So they realize that the way of always, you know, we've always done this in a certain way. They, they're still open-minded to maybe that hasn't been the right way, or maybe times have changed and we need to change with it. Um, so it's been more actually about providing the the data, the methodology, and and yeah, the thinking around that. And usually that has been enough. Yeah, and and at times, as as I said, I mean that that could be enough in in a way. I think. What what we are thinking about out here is is more how can we have a seat at the table, you know, and and that that I think is very important for existence of business intelligence and analytics function that that you are not just relegated to backend, uh, just just ensuring that the data is is organized and it's available and and it's democratized in a way, but also that you possibly have a seat on the table to be able to influence. And and you know show the impact that these types of insights or data can essentially have in shaping uh, your strategy. So I think if the more that we do that, the more you know relevant we would be, especially in this age of uh, you know AI, where we you know also pointed out that AI may be able to do storytelling at at some given point of time. Uh, maybe that might come in much quicker than than we actually anticipate. Uh, I think. That's where we we need to find a bit of that relevant uh, relevancy for for these functions uh, in the context of the larger organization, or else we will just be relegated to much more a tools and methodology 
uh, center of excellence rather than uh, you know uh, really highly skilled professionals who can also influence strategy using actionable insights yeah completely agree i um i say this to all my analysts that yes there is a product manager there's a stakeholder uh, but because we are a data-driven organization, we can influence those decisions in quite a big way. And so there is actually a lot of opportunity to steer the products as depending on what type of analysis you provide. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. Awesome, thank you so much. And that question and those answers do steer us very nicely into our third and final question. So, KJ, you've brought us our third and final question. Please tell us why is the question and explain to us where this question came from. Yeah, I think it's uh, in a session or podcast talking about the future of analytics. I, I think, you know, with the recent developments of, of ChatGPT and other AI tools and the, the very rapid development of them, I think it's uh, relevant to have a question surrounding AI. So my question is, with the rapid development and implementation of practical AI tools, how do you think the analytics role will change in both short and long-term future? Yeah, I think uh, you know that that's a great question and I think a, a very important one. I'll, I'll start by giving you an example of of what we are facing in in our business today. So, as you know, we we are in the business of insight and foresight, and and every year I think we speak with about hundred thousand consumers using quantitative methodologies and, and online surveys and so forth. What we have increasingly been concerned about is, is the data quality, you know, coming from these panelists. Uh, and, and the reason why in the short term, of course, we are concerned with the data quality because some of these panelists might be incentivized to take surveys, right? So there is always a bias to what, what, how you're responding uh, to specific surveys and and questionnaire, and we have ways to kind of deal with that. You know, we have checks in in place in the systems to to maneuver through it. But what we're grappling with right now is is a future where there will be synthetic respondents. So Carl might have his own personal AI assistant, uh, which is designed to kind of take these surveys and and make a living, you know, out of it. Uh, and I'm actually dealing with a synthetic respondent at this point of time with no real touch of 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 what Carl truly believes in, uh, you know, from from a product preferences or behavior uh, sort of part because it's it's more a synthetic sort of respondent. So we we are grappling with with this type of a future uh, going forward and 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 we are discussing how do we deal with it because the more that we think about it, and, and another great example out here is that, uh, I don't know if you heard, in, in March this year, uh, G- uh, GPT-4 uh, actually you know, uh, went about and assigned somebody, a human being from TaskRabbit, to kind of go ahead and bypass CAPTCHA. And for our listeners about CAPTCHA, CAPTCHA is basically a, a test, uh, you know, which is which is done online to differentiate between human and, and robots, you know, and, and synthetic respondents. So here we have an AI system which is able to bypass CAPTCHA, which is one of the ways that we actually define whether we have a human respondent at the other end responding to a survey or not. Now, if these systems are getting so advanced, 
uh, that they can bypass all checks and, and balances, then I'm grappling with the future that I have to deal with a lot of biased data that's going to come in. And it's basically garbage in and garbage out. Uh, you know, and 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 that's what I, that's one of the biggest concerns that I have that is giving me, uh, you know, sleepless nights about how to kind of deal with with this sort of future. And and we don't have straight answers to it, but perhaps we will have to kind of have some sort of a combat AI mechanism, uh, privacy guardians in in you know in place, in order to deal with this uh, new reality in in maybe as as quick quick as five years sort of time. So if I have to be relevant as a as an insight organization over the next five years, I need to understand where things are are rolling, you know, with this AI development, and then prepare to see how we can put some checks and balances in place to avoid these types of biases and and ethical considerations and and all those things that need to come in place, or else we we are very soon out of business, you know, as as analytics organizations. Yeah. Really interesting discussions. Uh, well, for my side, I fully believe that in the short term, analytics professional will likely find their roles become more augmented by AI. So AI tools can handle routines and process analytical tasks in a great speed and accuracy. That means analysts uh, can sh shift their focus more in the complex data activities. So I think it's going to be the, the transition of this in the short term. We can speed it up and take advantage of AI to, and then to contribute in, in another scale in terms of the complex analytics. Um, but in the long term, of course, it's going to be more involved some things about at data ethics that could expand more domains in the industry. Great. Thank you for those answers. Jasmine, I thought it was really interesting to hear about the synthetic respondents. I actually haven't thought about that problem prior to this, uh, and I wasn't expecting that answer. But that is actually a, that is a very good point. I think that could be a huge issue. I mean, you already see the the chatbots on Twitter. They're saying that you know a lot of the messages there are are created by bots. I um. Yeah, I can see that becoming a real problem, especially if you design a product around the answers that you get from a survey that you're sending out, and then the majority of those answers would be from someone who has a a vested interest in 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 the outcome of it, and so they just kind of create bots that diversify their answers, making it seem like they're human, but actually it's a bunch of bots. Yeah, very exactly. interesting. Yeah, yeah, and 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 we see that. You know, of course, as Relin pointed out, I mean, the, these are two sides of the coin. You know, on one end, AI is is coming in, really helping us kind of deal with monotonous tasks, whether the, that is, you know, preparing data, cleaning data, structuring data, uh, even at times, you know, analysis as well. So on one end, there is, of course, a productivity uptake, you know, by, by complementing with AI. And then on the flip side, we have this other side of the coin, which is which is this ethical considerations of what data are we getting in uh, you know and and we were also talking about i'll give you an example right uh, recently we were playing with with this idea that let's design a bot which using natural language processing can can possibly have a conversation with you 
So you're not taking necessarily taking a survey, but during the conversation itself, you know, we're asking you questions, right? So it's like a natural conversation you and me are having, and then we can postcode it to quantitative sort of responses, right? Uh, but again, the problem with these synthetic respondents. So today there are tools that are no code, which are or low code, which are available that can help you design a chatbot and can completely mimic you. They can take your personal preferences and and stuff your demographics, pass captcha, and and then I'm getting all these biased data in house, which I'm then using to train my own AI on this sort of biased data within the organization, and it just corrupts uh, the entire sort of practice uh, that that we are building. So I sense that over the next ten years. Getting to real humans is going to be extremely costly uh, because we would have democratized AI in in such a way that all of us will have uh, our own AIs to then negotiate with with some other AIs, right? Because all these big tech giants are are going to push advertising and products at you, and then you are negotiating. Your AI is essentially negotiating with their AI, uh, trying to maneuver through and and trying to get you the best possible deal you know in in the market and that's what i think is is going to be really interesting how we actually maneuver through and then you have you would probably have an ai which is your privacy guardian you know it's it's kind of uh, ensuring that no personal identifiable information is actually shared with these big tech companies as well right so it it is going to be a, a fascinating space but it creates a lot of challenges for us in in this sector uh, because we are relying on trying to get a grip on where the market is moving consumer behavior you know insight and foresight and then we see this 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 problem with again ai explainability because this is still a black box i don't know how the ai essentially came out with the response it did uh, so i think one of the skills that also would would be needed is professionals who can actually explain how the ai actually reasons uh, to start with and then of course how are we able to do this bias uh, mitigation? Because from all our consumer research we see, consumers clearly see this future of personal bots and personal navigational assistants and and you know market planners and day planners and and stuff, which really help them in their day-to-day life. Uh, but it makes our life extremely tough uh, to get to these uh, end consumers. Yeah, I wonder if there will be a future where the bias will cancel itself out where you will have one interest party skewing the data in one direction and then you will have another interest party with their bots skewing the data in the other direction and then you sort of end up in some side of some sort of truth average anyway without even uh, trying to correct the data yeah it could it could very well be that that we we might actually reach that stage where you just stop thinking about it right i mean it's a little bit like this whole privacy discussion that that continuously kind of crops up which which we often tend to say oh you know now we are sharing just too much information with big tech uh, but at the end of it by the end of it i mean when you ask consumers they they are saying yeah i don't mind that because at the end of the day all these services are free you know so the applications that you use today whether it's social media instagram you know all those uh, big tech sort of applications at the end of the day are free you don't pay anything of course they are ad funded and and somebody is mining your data at the end of it until and unless i have not faced a, a personal event where my privacy has been breached and it has led to an unforeseen event i would not care 
you know and and that is what the point we have reached is that also in future uh, consumers will be willing to trade their data with this ai systems to say if i get something back in return you know and there is a good value economy in place i won't mind that because anyways big tech is mining this data so let me make the most of it uh, and and try to sell this data and see what what i can actually get out of it but of course i need to then also think about the pitfalls of it of of how much i share and what i share maybe i don't want to share my location history maybe i want to share my app history uh, with you so it will be a bit of this value trade uh, that that's going to happen in in the future and it will be interesting to see how how that negotiation happens yeah i think it's scary with the i mean like you said with the black box of uh, the AI models, you don't really know what's going on there. I think the same applies to the data sharing. Like, I, th- I think most consumers, they, they're like, I don't know how this, this doesn't seem to bef- affect me. I'll happily share my data for this free product or whatever. But I also think there's a big black box there. Like, you don't know really where your data ends up. If it's with that, if it stays within that company, what they do it with it, or if it's sort of shared with a third party somewhere. But I also want to um, just uh, jump back a little bit to Verdant's uh, answer as well uh, about the uh, augment of the job in the short term, because I, I agree with that. I, I think that has already started to happen. Like we we do get a lot of help from these tools. We can ask them to write SQL queries for us or, or Python code. Mm, but I, I wonder if so to connect this to your original question, I wonder if this will help solve the sort of information gap of uh, what what do we do with all this data that we have gathered, or if we will still be in the, uh, still have the challenge of asking the right questions, even if the AI can write the SQL, bring back the, the, the answer of the queries and, and sort of give us a even a storytelling answer to uh, to that question, I wonder if if it will be able to to also construct the correct questions to sort of drive the business forward. Because if you look at the engineers, I don't think they're too scared. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about AI replacing engineers and so forth, but I don't think they're too scared of that. Because when we look at the data, and I've seen this in different companies as well, the engineers aren't actually spending the majority of the time coding. They're spending the majority of the time trying to understand what the stakeholders want and to structure the uh, the work that they have in front of them in order to, to solve it in an efficient way. And uh, I think that applies to analytics as well. I think we spend a lot of time um, trying to understand the stakeholder and ask the right questions. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you make a good point about asking the right questions, right? I mean... And you, we already start to see why prompt engineering is becoming so so important, especially with with generative AI, which is you need to ask the right questions uh, for the AI to throw up the right responses. You know, so whatever you are querying, you will of course have a response from AI, but how good the query is essentially decides the the quality uh, of the response as well. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as as we as we are saying, we already starting to see this this augmentation that then you you kind of talked about as well with with AI coming in, and and we see that this is also having a very disruptive impact. You know, let's uh, a good example here is journalism. You know, we we see 
overnight a lot of these publications have have lost a lot of journalists who were great uh, in in crafting stories and now uh, with ai tools kind of coming in you know and and you just feeding yeah this is my next uh, story or this is the headline that that i want to kind of print most of these guys are are out of jobs uh, now so it is definitely having a, a lot of disruptive impact not so much on i mean there is always this de- debate whether this impact is going to be on blue collar workers versus white collar desk workers in a way uh, i think it's it's now more the white collar desk workers who are much more vulnerable until and unless we actually try to do this human ai collaboration and we figure out a good model to to coexist and and use these tools to to upskill ourselves and benefit ourselves uh, else we we will of course come to this uh, this new trend uh, that is that is kind of happening so robotics automation and of course ai i think all three uh, in in a in a single sort of aspect are, are having a, a phenomenal impact on causing a lot of disruption in in the future of work and how that would look like maybe in 2030 yeah i fully agree what you're saying and reflect about it i think this is so fascinating and scary at the same time <laughs> because uh, we have a lot of speed and we prove a lot about this ai uh, but i think it's um, we need to improve also our mindset how to when we put the right questions, we need to be able to understand what is the right actions to do. And sometimes I realized that it's it's including me, right? Sometimes when I get to, the, to put the right question, where should we go? And then when we use AI to use this kind of uh, method to give us the answer, we don't know where to go. Which actions should we take? I think this is the scary thing because now we see that it's moving fast on this analytical data with more scale in the short term, processing a lot of data with machine learning. But what's the original question about, okay, where should we go? And then sometimes the people conceding, hesitate, and they complain and blame and they circle around this question. But guys, look at look this new. I think we need to increase also our maturity level for the new. I think it's something that we reflect and sometimes it's scaring me, but oh my God, now I get the, the, the questions quite fast and what to do? What should I handle this? How to escalate this in a top management team? I start to build this relation, the discussion with the top management the team to be able to speed it, up, speed it up our actions based on this analytical insight. What do you think, guys? No, I think it's, it's, it's I mean, being in the, I can say in the tech sector, uh, you know, it's it's actually very overwhelming. Uh, you know, with with the changes that are kind of coming in every day. You know, there is a new tech, and I don't know. I, I think in the last uh, year or so, uh, you know, there have been thousands of Silicon Valley AI startups that that have come up now. You know, causing a lot of fragmentation in this space as well, right? So when when you when you have to eventually take a decision on what tools, what methodologies, how to kind of bring about agility, what partners to kind of work with, this is an extremely strenuous and and stressful sort of space to kind of keep up with with what's really happening in this sector because things are happening so fast that that you blink and something has passed, you know, in in a way. So I, I think I totally uh, you know relate with what Renan is 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 kind of saying is. I think where where we might actually succeed 
is is the more the intuition you know the the intuition of 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 placing a bet you know on and and kind of going after it right and and that's something the ai would give us a lot of paths to kind of choose based on what path we want to change what strategy we we want to kind of give but then eventually it all comes down to years and years of collective wisdom and then knowledge that you have gathered and your intuitive spirit that will eventually decide how you what path eventually you know we as as an organization we want to kind of take in in this direction so i think the next 5 years uh, are going to be super fascinating interesting but also stressful uh, as well as we try to keep up with with what's happening uh, you know in in this sector but i think there will be a lot of learning in this process okay awesome then thank you very much for what turned out to be a very very fascinating discussion um i have learned a lot and i'm sure to you guys that are listening to this uh, podcast that you have learned a lot also and i really hope that you three guys have learned from each other today um i just want to thank you all once more for taking your time to have this discussion with us here at the evolution exchange podcast <laughs>